Hello, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, the second of two special episodes dedicated to this year's Black History Month. The Framestore podcast is a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. And in this two part episode, we had the absolute privilege of being joined by two special guests, London based Framestore technology strategist Lorna Dunbar and Los Angeles based Company 3 SVP for Global HR and DEI, Jimmy Vaughan. Not only are we recognizing the significance of Black History Month, but we're flipping the script to focus on black futures with a future focused and slightly amended, thanks to ChatGPT, Daily's questions. This is such a wonderful future focused and educational conversation that I'm excited for you to join. So find a comfy seat, prepare a beverage of choice, and enjoy episode 31, part one of the Framestore podcast, our Black Futures special. Welcome back to another episode of the Framestore podcast, episode 31. This week, we continue to recognize and celebrate Black History Month. And normally, as you know, we'd invite a special guest from our global Framestore community to the Framestore podcast daily session, where they'd usually face our 13-question grilling. But on this episode, we're switching it up a little with not one, but two special guests who will both face down the dailies spread across today's first instalment and Thursday's second part. Not only are we recognising the significance of Black History Month, but we're flipping the script to focus on black futures with a future focus slightly amended, thanks to ChatGPT, dailies questions. And to do this, we welcome London-based Framestore technology strategist Lorna Dunbar and LA-based Company 3 SVP for Global HR and DEI, Jimmy Vaughan. So let's get into the intros. Lorna, who has worked in the visual effects industry since the beginning of 2007, having cut her teeth in production teams, starting out at MPC, where she spent just over three years, attached to shows including, but not limited to, Prince of Persia, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, and James Bond, Quantum of Solace. Then a move to Milk Visual Effects as head of production in the summer of 2013, where she worked on cult classic High Rise, I love that movie, Dracula Untold, Sherlock, 47 Ronin, and Ex Machina. A short stint working on a certain Avengers movie at Method Studios followed in 2014. Then an equally short New York-based term as operations manager at The Mill came along in 2015. In 2018, she worked with Atomic Arts on the Academy Award-nominated documentary Welcome to Chechnya with the Deepfake Technology team. At the beginning of 2020, Lorna joined Dupe VFX, the world's first B Corporation or B Corp VFX studio as head of production and senior producer, then joining the senior leadership team, bringing together her skills in VFX alongside the purpose-driven sustainability and social impact targets where she stayed for a few years, culminating in her joining Framestore last year as technology strategist where she's been to date. Jimmy has been in the industry since 2007, where he was assistant to Don Foster, Warner Brothers and CBS executive producer, working on sitcom classics such as Mike and Molly, The Big Bang Theory and Two and a Half Men. He then moved to the Down Syndrome Association of Los Angeles, where he worked for the best part of a year as a project manager. In January 2015, a move to lifestyle media company Dear Mrs. D Inc. saw Jimmy take on the role of director of operations, which he held for over two years. The VFX industry came calling in 2017, where he moved to Deluxe Entertainment, where his initial PM role quickly evolved into manager of people development, diversity and engagement in the fall of 2018, and then Director of Culture and Learning towards the end of 2019, which brings us bang up to date as Jimmy joined Company 3 in September 2020 as Vice President Diversity and Engagement, then Vice President Diversity and Organisational Development the following year, and now SVP for Global HR and DEI as of this very month. So for the second of our Black History Month podcasts, a Black Futures special, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Lorna and Jimmy. Can you believe I almost got that in one take? Welcome both. It's good to see you. 
Thank you, Simon. That's amazing. Laura, I'm happy to be on this with you. Oh, thanks, Simon. Uh, I can have a lie down now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get longer and longer, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an intro. What an intro. Yes, likewise to me. We go big. And, and it's interesting. We were joking before we hit record about the... Uh, the link to the limited research that I do, which is purely based on what you put into your LinkedIn profiles. And I, I'd like to think I know you both quite well. And honestly, I'm so impressed with what you've both done and achieved and worked on. And you just never really appreciate that. We take people on such face value these days. And then I have this genuine privilege of, I say privilege, um, stalking people every two weeks where I get to go on their link, shamelessly look at IMDb, IMDb profiles and LinkedIn profiles and go, wow, they did that. And they volunteered here and they went to university and college there. And they, they created these you know, nonprofits and side hustles. And uh, it's amazing. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, I'm, I'm humbled to have you both on the pod, uh, Laura and Jimmy. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get into it, Jimmy, congratulations. I mean, literally this month you were promoted to uh, SVP, which is uh, this month is, is a big, it's a big acronym, SVP. It's a big acronym. It, it, it really is. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited about it, right? I, I, I think it's a really cool opportunity and I'm really happy to be, you know, doing it at, at, at Company 3. So, uh, Excellent. you know, full steam ahead. Good. Excellent. And it's a pleasure having you on, Jimmy, because you were one of the first people I probably, I would say, I'm not going to say first people I had an interesting conversation with, but one of the first people that I genuinely connected with when I started. Because I think when I started in January last year, we were getting into the conversations about what we were doing around International Women's Day and the Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. And we put on that event together. And uh, yeah, we had so many really interesting conversations. It was really cool to connect with you. And, and equally, uh, Lorna, uh, you know, I remember when you were at the mill and we had a brief exchange, I think I was just joining the mill and I think you were just moving on. And yeah. I really, I yeah. remember having a catch on you on the, you came up to the fourth floor and we had a brief introduction and then you were, you were off to your next big thing. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's great. I mean, I was super excited when you said you were joining, no, when you said you were joining Framestore, when you actually joined Framestore. And, uh, and again, it's great. It's almost full circle having you both here on, on, on the Framestore podcast today. Yeah. It's been an amazing journey to date. And I think Brainstorm is a is a place where a lot of people with interesting journeys mm. are all coming together and then obviously across with Company Free and Jimmy, what the team are doing there soon to come. I think yeah. it's exciting times for us. Absolutely. And and speaking of exciting times, what's so cool about having you both on the podcast is you both represent like forward we were talking about black futures today um but also just you know we talked about me playing around with chat gpt with the daily's questions and having them future focus but both of your roles stand for the future right i mean whether it be jimmy your role focusing on um, you know equi equity equality diversity inclusion and equally with you lorna you know your role as technology strategist i mean you and the team are at the forefront uh, of the business in terms of all of the the shifts in kind of you know augmented reality ai you know, machine learning, all of that kind of crazy madcap stuff that's going to change the world. So it's uh, it's quite a kind of, it's quite fortuitous to have you both on talking about this today. Yeah, I really am excited to bring a conversation like this to to the Framestore podcast and to talk to Jimmy as well and see how it all interrelates. As there is a lot in terms of, I feel like the profile that you occupy, Jimmy, is relatively new in the in the world of um, you know, people and staff, I'd never heard of um, such a role like 10 years ago, or even, you know, 20 years ago. So it's quite exciting seeing developments and the shifts mm. in our fields, in society, to be able to bring hominus to all of our um, future endeavours and see them coming to fruition. So. No, I agree with that. And I, like, just echo how exciting it is to kind of, like, have this conversation because, uh, I think Laura's brilliance already like shown through within like my first two minutes of meeting her. And I was just like, oh my God, like, because this whole idea of even flipping it from focus on history to focus on future and being able to see, like, one of the first things out of Laura's mouth is she's like, I would like to think about this in the terms of, and I was like, oh my God, that is so cool. Like, it's, it's just really, really amazing. So while, you know, I may not be as, informed on some of the like technological advance and advancements and uh some of those i you know ideas as it pertains to uh futures i, I think 
my particular area of, of being able to kind of like unpack some of the how we got here and the, where we need to be in order to set ourselves up for, for the futures that I think we're going to be able to dive into a little bit more today uh, is, is going to be fascinating. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of like see how that unfolds. Ditto. So true. And I think Framestore and I'm sure, you know, the partnership and coming together with Company Free are really at the forefront of thinking about how we do things in new, exciting and push the boundaries, really. I know that a lot of what I saw about Framestore and enticed me to join was the work that was being done at the time and how we think innovatively across the business. Innovation isn't just a component in a room with a group of individuals, you know, in a mad science lab coming up with these wacky ideas. It's spread, you know, everyone who I've engaged with so far really has this motivation and they are thinking about what we can do to serve our audiences, our clients um, better and in more beautiful ways in the things that we do. So I'm really keen to see about how we pull from where we hope to be and come to where we are at the moment and see what we are doing now and how those endeavors will shape tomorrow so let's get into let's it get into it uh, Lorna I'd love to go back to around five or six weeks ago where I approached you initially to talk about would you be on the podcast we're doing Black History Month and I talked about the general idea of um, role modeling and getting people on the pod and then you unleashed this idea around focusing on black futures, which I was really taken by. To Jimmy's point, I love the idea of just the pure idea of switching the idea of black history on its head and looking forward rather than looking backwards. But I'd love to kind of for you to take our listeners on that journey with us in terms of, you know, the idea for this conversation initially. Yeah, it's really to bring us as, a, you know, those who are listening to this around concepts that look at where tomorrow we may be and take a view on what kind of things we can be doing now in order to set ourselves up or position ourselves in a place that we are hoping to be in the future. A lot of what you see today, they say, is what you will reap tomorrow. So mm. what I was looking to do with this conversation was to think about Black History Month and think of it in a way that is extended towards, you know, what may come. And if so, all of those opportunities, all of those um, hopes, dreams, aims, goals, how they shape themselves and looking at taking the steps back into what we are doing now and considering what we can do now to set ourselves up for good stead in the tomorrow. Thank you, Lorna. And uh, building on that, because obviously our journey went from that conversation to me having a number of other conversations, I thought I'd love to get somebody else on the podcast. And it didn't take me long to land on Jimmy Vaughan. So we got on a call, didn't we, Jimmy? And we talked about this idea. So what was your take on the idea around discussing Black Futures on a podcast? Well, I was basically, you know, really inspired by it because I thought it was really a good, innovative, kind of like new focus and, 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 and approach, especially as we, we do center traditionally a, a lot of the past, you know, and I, and I understand why we do it. Yeah, like, course. it's not that that's an issue. It's actually, it's, it's still really important. And I think it's because so for so long, uh, I can specifically speak to like the U S uh, of it being like kind of put on the back burner or we've seen it systematically kind of like taken out of schools or the only time that we actually talk about like you know black history is like at one point in time and then it just doesn't appear in the rest of our you know like textbooks you know in any kind of uh, well integrated way as though it's not you know our country's history it's it's like oh no it's just this one group's history it's like oh no it's it's actually a large portion of how this has, you know this is formed. So, so I think for us, you know, we tend to try to cement uh, that. But I think in parallel or in tandem, we should also be having these same types of conversations. Of okay, so what do we do with that information? What do we do with that now? How do we apply that now so that we can get to you know a particular place? And I think understanding where we want to be or where we wish to be gives us a lot of guidance in 
uh, and understanding where we should be positioning ourselves now, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a big believer in beginning with the end in mind or beginning with, you know, continuous goals so that we can see at this point, this is exactly where I would like to be. So what do I need to be doing right now in order to do so? So I felt like that was a, a really kind of cool way of, uh, of, of bringing that forward. So while I understand why we talk about history and why we, you know, still, I think, continuously need to center that, I, I think there's also a lot of room for additional conversations. And I think this is one that maybe doesn't happen enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really good point. And I love the idea of kind of recognizing where you've been, looking at applying what you know now, and then having that absolute, you know, goal at the end of whatever it is you're planning. Because again, you both work in comparable roles in terms of innovation, but different roles in terms of, you know, I mean, I'm going to talk very broadly about, you know, obviously technology and then kind of the people work. Um, what are some of the kind of challenges and barriers? Because I hear a lot, I mean, I've worked, I mean, I run a nonprofit, um, not necessarily from lived experience, but in terms of the industry and how, not how, where there is a lack of diversity in the industry from an outreach perspective on the people side. On the technology side, again, I don't do a huge amount of reading around AI and, you know, and, and the machine learning. But I, what I understand is a lot of it is based on, you know, history uh, and ar- arguably a lot of westernized kind of, you know, privileged thinking and art and, and, and information. So I'm just going to throw those garbled pieces of information out there and ask you what you think the barriers are. I'll probably start with you, Lorna, from, a, from the kind of work that you're doing. What are some of the challenges in cementing Black Futures? I, I would say that we, as maybe this is a bit of a generalization, but there is a concept of thinking about the future that's been well-branded that is like spaceships and teleportation machines and you know rockets going to other planets. And how I contextualize it, it's a similar mindset to when you look at the projected weather over the next couple of days and you make and take decisions based on that if you are going to be you know, affected by such weather. So it's very similar to that. And when I think about boundaries, it's trying to bring that type of thought process, that kind of thinking and build frameworks about it in order for individuals, for groups to set themselves up for that. So a lot of it is trying to flip the idea of not making it too unbelievable and very kind of theatrical and out of this world and bring it back to earth and ground it in here's where we are here are potential steps is where we want to be here are some frameworks and then when I think about boundaries it's weaving in the challenges that you would want to see negated at the same time in parallel so understanding that there are different characteristics you know like the protected characteristics that are usually defined being you know, race, ethnicity, neurodiversity, all of these things exist. And it's slowly beginning to weave that into the conversations as you start to build. And thinking a multidimensional person, which most people are, it's starting to bring all those things together and then say, okay, we're not doing things that are trying to predict the future. We aren't talking about crystal balls. We are setting ourselves on the destination and let's start weaving Um, in all of these different layers this is like the richness of the world into the work that we do I like that and it's not easy it's it's possible to say but Mm. it's a lot of hard work that needs to go on in the background so it's also giving yourself grace knowing that some steps you will falter in some areas you may take a decision that may not be correct sometimes the pull is more towards a certain priority which you know challenges a certain choice that you have to make so it's nuanced it's mm. delicate but it's also delightful this is what yeah, life and living is about yeah and it's like you say it's having it deeply rooted in a goal rather than almost kind of like a, a wish or a, an aspiration uh, you touched on that as well jimmy is having kind of a specific goal that you work towards an end in mind rather than i hope for this or does that make sense absolutely yeah I mean, how does that resonate with you, Jimmy, in terms of the work you do and, and what kind of goals are you are you setting in, in your work in EDI? So the I think for me, like and, and also to kind of like bring in a little bit of that the first question as well of, of it just being like, what are some of those barriers and some yeah. of those, you know, kind of roadblocks that, that I think we encounter? 
with what I do, I think the biggest one tends to be human instinct. <laughs> Right. So <laughs> that's like my biggest barrier. Right. Uh, it, it, a, a thing I like to kind of bring to people is that um, gut instinct a lot of times is like the birthplace of bias. Mm-hmm. Right. Usually what we feel or what we, you know, like when we have that moment where we're just like something, something's not right or some like I know what that is or I, I have a good feeling about it. It typically means that something is along our norm. And then the moment that something that we can't necessarily put our finger on uh, shifts outside of that norm, we, we get jostled. We get a little bit like thrown off and we're just like, wait a minute, there's something about this that isn't right. And really a lot of times that means like there's something about this that isn't part of my norm. It is not in, it is, it is counter what I understand of the world. And what we understand of the world is often based off of our own experiences. And so things that are not like that have a tendency to actually jar us right so that's that's one you know kind of like element that's there um and then another component of like you know like human biology is like in our hunter-gatherer days you know uh seeing somebody or or people that operated differently or that weren't like us could have meant the difference of survival or or not right Mm -hmm. it's like either my resources i'm not able to share or you know i couldn't survive with you in the on this hunt you don't understand you know what kind of dangerous berries are over here while i do and it's like i will not go to there it's like i'm not you know gonna be around this or i know that that means danger well technological evolution as we're talking about uh futures you know advances at a much faster rate than biological evolution so now all of a sudden we've got planes and we can go from this side of the world to that side of the world and interact with these other groups we have the ability to to jump on uh, a call and record things with people in, all in different areas of like of the world and interact and create communities and all of this stuff with a lot of our, you know, kind of biological predispositions of what we've learned over years and years and years and years. With all that being said, what that means is that there is an immense amount of variance that people have very strong attachments, even sometimes subconscious biological attachments too, because we all always are attracted to the familiar. Those become, you know, like barriers. Without a goal, it would be impossible to go in the same direction, right? So we have to be able to think and envision and do the work actively, proactively, to think about where do we want to end up because there's so many variances. There's so much actually happening and people feel strongly about each of those things. So we have to have that in place in order to position ourselves, you know, kind of like for success. So I find them to be like so in tune and so in sync what what we're talking about in order to get to whatever the next phase is so that's that's how it resonates with me brilliant i love that i love that and yeah the way i I, i've heard you talk about kind of unconscious bias in those terms before never gets old i love that kind of idea of uh, you know bias comes from instincts and all of that all of that information that's poured into us all from from year dot let alone it's our birth or the historics of kind of you know neanderthal humans back in the day getting attacked by saber-toothed tigers and not knowing whether to run away or or attack it with various flint-based uh weaponry 100 <laughs> percent fascinating stuff it's fascinating stuff it's so exciting to see all this coming together in conversation and i love that you talk about that jimmy because especially as you expressed how it's not just technology it's the nature of behavior mm. which is really you know as i think humans as we interact with each other it's less about technology per se it's more about these connections that we make with each other and being able to help people make these connections better having the ability to use these technologies whether it's be the tool that we're using now to stream and talk to each other across different geographical locations or whether it's vehicles as we start to engage with each other in ways that we may not have done you know generations before our parents how are we setting ourselves up and you know the incoming generations for a world that looks like that it is really important to understand that if these are the shifts that are happening 
we want to be prepared for these shifts and these biological pools coming up against the reality of the climate that we live in, volatility, change, all of these things we have to come to reconcile. And I feel like this work that you're doing, Jimmy, really paves a good way for that. And, and both of your disciplines are super connected in that respect as well. I mean, what's quite interesting in what you're both talking about around human behavior and instincts is I imagine, and again, I, I'll speak to both of you as, as the experts here, but, you know, almost there are still kind of like these new threats that challenge that human behavior. So something like the you know, modern tech and artificial intelligence is the new threat, isn't it? People are thinking, oh, it's going to take my jobs. It's going to change the world. But then the one before that was, arguably google when that came along it's like oh my god i can you know everybody's gonna be cheating on their exams and you know their, their dissertations and before that it was something else you know do you think that plays a part where technology changes or thinking changes or you know something there's a seismic shift in the culture that you know changes people's ideals and, and how they react to things there's, there's a question in there somewhere i think i'm just stating making a statement and uh, seeing whether you it resonates with you but I could keep talking and wrapping myself up in knots, but I'm going to let one of you take the reins from here. I can see if I can try to, you know, extrapolate a little bit, you know, uh, just from that general concept of people being kind of like resistant and reluctant to uh, to change and to a lot of these seismic shifts that are that are happening. And I think I was alluding to it a little bit when I said it earlier of like, there's, you know, technological advancement a lot of times happens at a significantly faster rate than biological advancement. And I think we're still catching up to certain things that yeah. are, you know, that have changed, you know, like in the past, like, even when we talk about like social media and the and the access now that people have to various types of you know, of information, and then still learning how to sift through uh, what is true, what's not true, what's heavily influenced, and being able to, to find places in our brains for those things to actually sit and to become categorized, essentially, right? So it is because of that, and because of the work that comes from that, I think there is generally a fear of the unknown, Right. That's where most fear, I think, tends to come from. It tends to come from the unknown and not knowing what the impact of that is going to be. And we we know enough to know that these these shifts can change so much of the fabric of like what we know to be true today that I think there's a natural apprehension. Again, it's another survival mechanism that I think we have kind of ingrained in us. So those who are the most adventurous and the most, you know, kind of apt to adapt are the ones that kind of lean in to to that, right? But I understand that not everybody's able to do that. Some people wait for other people to kind of figure it out ahead of them. And I'm kind of like that person too, when it comes to like, I'm always the person with like the oldest iPhone because I'm like, I'm not an early adopter. And so everybody else has had it. I'm like, ah, before I spend that money, I'll see if there's any issues or people are complaining. I like let the other people kind of like figure. So in that regard, it's like, yeah, I'm a little bit, you know, kind of delayed and let others kind of move forward. But in other spaces of like human interaction, I'm one of the people where I'm like, let me, mm. let me get out there and let me test it and let me figure out like what's going on, knowing that sometimes matters of identity can be can be treacherous waters to kind of navigate right and i understand why people get you know a little bit uh concerned or afraid you know to kind of like jump in there because they're just like i don't know what this means i don't know if this is going to create new opportunity i don't know if it's going to completely you know remove what i know and the things that i have come to uh, respect, love uh so so i understand you know like what that is but the one thing in life that is guaranteed is change. And so it's up to us to kind of decide how we're going to let that impact us. Are we, are we going to know what's coming or are we going to be subject to what's coming? <laughs> right. So I, I think of it in kind of in those terms, I think. That's really, that last sentence is really a powerful one. I want to underscore that. Definitely double yeah, click on that. That's the clickbait, isn't it? No, that's the title of the podcast. <laughs> not taking a decision is still a decision. Yeah. Not making choices is still a choice. And it, these are challenging times and the answers aren't so black and white. Um, I think you have to put yourself in the ring and 
give yourself the best opportunities and set people up knowing that there is a, a change, there is a shift in in what the expectations were before. I've been vegetarian, yes, I will say it officially. I know this is sure, only internal frame yeah. so maybe it's okay. <laughs> um, but a couple of decades okay. now. I thought it was going to be, you heard it here first on the podcast, Lorna's a vegetarian, <laughs> it's finally happened, everyone. Well, officially, <laughs> officially I am stating it formally. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember there was a time I would go into various restaurants and you'd have your menu with the vegetarian's options relegated to like the last page at the back and it would usually be some permutation of a mushroom. And now I see whole menus that are dedicated to various types mm. of, you know, types of nutrition requirements for whatever reason. And I like to think of that as a very light way a non-political way of describing how we are moving, mm. like the appetite for the shifts and the behaviours that are starting to shift um, are warranting decisions that are being made by corporations that aren't from the goodness of their hearts mm. <laughs> to be able to accommodate someone like me. They are understanding that a message is coming through a particular part of their you know, patrons and they are shifting and shaping themselves around that. So we can or individuals can decide to not participate and yes it can happen around you but the other things are we we have a lot um, of dimensional people we have these teams teams with more unique and diverse um, elements can bring about these insights and provide a new perspective and thinking about it as a value proposition it's an opportunity and it's a shame to miss opportunities such like that when Things are shaping and shifting themselves so much. So many comparables with my, I'm comparing this to my my wife, actually. <laughs> Jimmy, she also has, she's only just changed her iPhone. And honestly, she can't, couldn't sell it to anyone. It was uh, it was almost a kind of uh, prehistoric artifact. It was an iPhone 7 or something. I mean, it still worked, but it just was a nightmare. She only just had it. So I completely get that, <laughs> that point you raise. And she's also a vegetarian. And I've seen that evolution over the last 20 years we've been together where we would go to restaurants and there was the risotto, maybe a quiche, and that was it. And everything was kind of like literal, just carve off a piece of cow and, and ride the rest home. Um, so just wanted to call that out because uh, they, they both both of your examples resonate. But both, I love how it speaks to you know, adapting. I think what you said really resonated with me, Jimmy, about change and you, you know, the only way you adapt is to lean into it, whatever it is, whether it be a new way of thinking, whether it be technology, whether it be outreach, recruitment, attraction, internal education is lean in and learn something new and find something new. And that speaks to everything you're talking about around goal setting and creating that that future. You know, I think it's really interesting. And we have to be honest about the risk and that sometimes you may fall short, hmm. but you are engaging with an opportunity to learn ahead of anyone else and that is giving you all these data points and if you aren't taking these steps other people are gaining these data points and saying Mm. oh this was maybe a fail this was looking like there's some traction this is a waste of time and if we think of that you know talking about identity and particularly black identity we're thinking about where we want to shape ourselves for tomorrow and thinking about an audience of tomorrow thinking about and uh, staff employees of tomorrow we want to take charge there and be part of paving the way for these adaptations absolutely absolutely so i'm going to pause it there because this is a really interesting conversation but we're 35 minutes into part one and we haven't we haven't dropped the dramatic sound effect and when we haven't got into the, the daily this is the, I, I'm, in my script i've got preamble conversation <laughs> but it's so interesting and i wanted to spend a good amount of time talking about black future so i'm being a little bit facetious but actually we needed to have that conversation but what i'm proposing is we still lean into this conversation but we pepper it across the uh, the newly revised dailies questions which i'm very excited to get into which are all future focused and please work with me on these folks okay these some of them I can't take credit for them. They're full chat GPT authored. I just poured my questions into them. Some of them are a bit odd, but they might spark some really interesting discussions about what we're talking about in these, these this two-part episode. So you are you both ready? Are you both ready to get into this? 
Ready. So ready. So ready. Ready for the weird. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to ask the podcast gods to uh, drop the dramatic sound effect from on high. And we're into the dailies. Right. So I'm going to hit you with question one. Now, the original question is always a bit boring because it's the, uh, the who, where, what, who are you, where are you, and what are you working on? Only if allowed to talk about it. But ChatGPT has switched it up a little bit. So question one is still called who, where, what, but is but it's who do you envision yourself becoming in the future? What do you aspire to work on in terms of projects and missions or goals as we've been discussing? So it's kind of like a two-part of this one. So who do you envision yourself becoming in the future? And what do you aspire to work on? So I'm going to start with Jimmy and then segue neatly into to Lorna. Sorry, Jimmy. Somehow I knew. I mean, it's such, it, it, it is a fascinating question. It's a big question now. Um, I, I think, you know, I've been fortunate enough to kind of like be in a space uh, that I feel is, is kind of where I want to be and where I want to, you know, what I want to be doing. And, and right now I've just embarked, like you said earlier in this, in this month on the course, next yeah. kind of like iteration of, of what that is. But I think at the core who I am, I, I've, I've, I've always felt like I'm just an advocate. Like I'm somebody who I, who cares about people and wants the best for people and wants everybody to kind of be treated fairly. I want to have that in my personal life, in my professional life, in all of those spaces. An, an advocate for fairness is, is that. Where I want to be um, sooner rather than later on a beach somewhere, uh, that would be goal. great. No. <laughs> <laughs> very specific. It's, it's very, very, very specific. But I think, you know, I would like to be in a place or I would like to see a world where the conversations about identity aren't exactly necessary because right now they're necessary i would like to be in a place where they are they're supplemental and and celebratory and you know don't necessarily have to happen because of that and i know sometimes people are like why can't we just start? well we can get there but we've got to do the work in order to get there so where i want to be is there after we've done the work and i can feel confident about that uh what do i want to be working on that how to get there mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> right and being part of that solution um and let's see who do i envision myself becoming in the future uh i don't know some old guy who's done good work i love that right i, I think that's the simplest way of saying it is just like i want to be remembered for the work that you know that that i've been able to do that has made life a little bit better for people what a great answer. Who knew that ChatGPT could create such an insightful question? Right? right? Come on, ChatGPT. <laughs> and I love what you said. I mean, what you said about um, you know, those conversations being more supplementary and being more part of the, the culture of the studio or life or work or whatever sphere we're in, I find things fascinating. I mean, I remember way back in the day working at, when I did my first inclusion week at the mill in 2016. And one of the things a lot of people said was, this is the first time I'm having conversations about my sexuality, about gender, about race. And people would literally be buzzing about, oh my God, this never, this has never happened in my studio before. And obviously, you know, years and years later, that's kind of happening. I I think you're right. It's, they're still necessary conversations. They still need to be teased out. But to your point, it'd be amazing to go to a point where these conversations just happen. You know, they just happen. They're part of their interesting conversations that people lean into that people are interested in because it's about people it's about what makes people tick it's an interesting conversation to have so i just wanted to throw my two pence cents in there see me see look at that look at that you know geographically inclusive there (laughs) you're so international (laughs) check me out i know jet setter (laughs) lorna tell me tell me your answer to that question yeah i guess rewinding back from what you're saying jimmy is you know, as you see that end goal of having these bigger conversations is starting to think about the big challenges of our time and how we can integrate that into the work that we do because storytelling is a medium. It's such a great sector that we are in. We are shaping the minds of individuals. There's a lot that can be said for how we can communicate on behalf of the visionaries that come to us to break all of the boundaries to tell stories and to provide them a conduit to get these messages out and then how we do that to help us 
elevate it to the challenges that we need to face. So in my mind, there is a world where we start to tackle these big problems that are beyond identity, that are, um, you know, things that we need to really get on top of as as a human um, challenge, as everyone um, is starting to tackle. So I would answer that with that. And then, as Jimmy has said, being in this field, it's since I've started, there have been so many different areas and disciplines that have spun out or have existed that I've since discovered um, within our industry. And I think it's really fantastic. Now we're talking a lot about machine learning developers and data scientists. We have like a really great team that's being cultivated. And if you thought about this 15, 20 years ago, putting together this science and art and technology, it's just, it's really really humbling to be in a space where you can take things on and start encompassing it in. So very glad to be in a field and in a company that I hope and continues to do as it has done to push these boundaries and evolve into new shapes and forms. Uh, what what was the other question? It was what do you aspire to work on? And um, yeah, who do you envision yourself becoming in the future? Aspiring to work on, I, I think, I keep myself open, so nice. I am always on the lookout for how all of these things are converging, how challenges for our clients, how individually as teams we come up with things that are very exciting, but also have um, needs and requirements and how those can be mm. supported as well as the work that we do externally that people, the customers see. Yeah. So being part of any nebulous thing that allows that to come to fruition so undefined i would say open and undefined yeah i think that's fair what do i want to become yes could i be weird and i love this concept of blending everyone talks about singularity so coming together with technology um i'm quite interested in this idea of like biophilia and nature and i know we are nature in ourselves but being more connected and seeing what that arc and pushing the boundaries around that. I know there are some movies that have tackled that, I won't name them, but yes, I'm quite interested in this concept of uniting more with, with Earth. Love that. And you're welcome to name the films, by the way. Feel free. Ah, um, Annihilation. If you just oh, Annihilation, that. yes. Yeah, very... I was in our little film club recently. Yes, very interesting concepts around that. but. Yes, as a, a person that lives in a world with lots of other beings that are beyond human, I'm very interested in how that could play out and being more of a conduit, as I like to think of myself as a steward and conduit for the good things to happen. I love that. Two, two strong answers. And, and I imagine both your lines of work, you know, again, we talked about innovation and forward thinking and futures is it's ever changing, right? Technology is changing all the time. Who knows what you're going to be working on in five a year's time, let alone five, 10 years time. The same with, uh, you know, uh, inclusion, diversity, equity, equality work, Jimmy, is that it's, I mean, yeah, there's only a handful of roles like yours in industry. We touched on this earlier. It's very rare. I mean, we have a, an a NG who's been on the podcast before who, you know, in London who looks after, you know, outreach cross frame store, but, we had a conversation with her recently, like in terms of a, a VFX animation network of EDI professionals, it's super slim. Unless I've got that wrong, and please write to me if the listeners if I've got that wrong, but genuinely, you just don't see it. And I think in the next 10 years, maybe uh, probably less than that, that will also go through the roof and there'll be whole new, new ways of working projects and, and advancements in that field as well. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd, I'd also like them to write to me so I can find out where they are. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> let's, start, let's get the community together. Where Come are you? Together. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's absolutely like fascinating that it's an industry that has been done, or or not industry, but like the this discipline in particular. It's been done mm -hmm. in a variety of different ways. It hasn't really been called what it's what it is now, but there's always been you know, people trying to do the work, right? And mm -hmm. whether or not that's been packaged in a, in a variety of different disciplines, whether that was in traditional HR or, you know, management or, or things along uh, those lines. Yeah. So it's always been something that, that people have done. It is not 
been recognized as it, the specialty that it really is. I think as we've evolved, as we've kind of gone through uh, some of the, I don't know, some of the challenges that we've seen in uh, just in general culture uh, over the last few years has really let us know and let more people kind of like understand mm-hmm. that, okay, this is this is far more nuanced than I thought it was. And that has made way for, you know, people who have done, you know, a lot of the study, who've done the work, who've had, you know, some lived experiences to be able to kind of like step forward and say like, okay, now you're ready. Let me tell you all of this stuff that that we've been working on forever. And these are the things that we've been trying to accomplish. And then finding um, these structural elements that kind of move the needle the the, the most, right? Because mm-hmm. that's also kind of a specialty and a, and a, a discipline un, unto itself. We don't always know I've seen that it's a little bit easier to identify a problem than it is to know how to solve for it. And I see that as a lot of the work that I do is is that I feel like that's where my specialty and kind of expertise comes into play is the ability to also solve for, right, uh, the issue. And that is something that I feel really privileged to be able um, to do. Is it a challenge? Absolutely, right? because we're also, you know, we're dealing with people and people are incredibly nuanced, as we've said. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, to, to have the opportunity to do something in visual effects and also as company three, we just, you know, doing finishing and other types of, of, of post-production, we're getting a chance to kind of influence storytelling in a way that is really, really meaningful. I used to be one of those people that was like, oh, we're just making movies, like calm down, like that type of thing, until I really started to understand what movies do, Mm, Yeah. right? How movies impact policy, how movies help people understand the world, how storytelling, we're kind of, again, I'm such a nerd when it comes to like biology, like we are basically predisposed to sitting around and and listening to stories and understanding how stories tell us how we interact with the world around us. So the medium that we've all kind of chosen to be in to to varying degrees does that, you know, like in the world around us. So it's, it's, it's really a privileged spot to, you know, to be able to do that in. And I'd love to see more of it and more and more people that are taking that concept into, into practice and, and understanding it, I guess, living up to the responsibility that I think that we, that we actually have. Wow. Yeah. I love that. We, we talk, we talk about storytelling quite a lot on the podcast, but it's always through a different lens, actually, mm. uh, where it's like, where it is, Hey, we're not, we're not saving lives. And you know, that kind of, it, they're just big, dumb movies. And, and actually, what you've said is has blown my mind a little bit because it's absolutely right. It is. I mean, it's uh, cinema has informed culture since well, as long as we've all been around and, and way before then. I mean, there's always a metaphor taken from us from cinema or you know te- television, even commercial work. You know, it's, uh, it's it's a huge part of the culture. I, I mean, I've pretty much uh, my life has been defined by cinema way before I got into this this racket. Yeah, I think it's a, a really fascinating take actually. I mean, you know, just the, just a little addendum is like think think about it. Like, it's some form of media that we usually have experienced most of the world, and most of us haven't mm. been to like, oh, this country over here or that. Mm. But we somehow have like, oh, I really want to go to this city. Like, that's my ideal oh, yeah, vacation. Yeah. How do you know? How do you know that that's what you want to get? Usually, you've experienced it through some form of media. Like, either it was in a book or mm. you saw it in a movie, and you're like, I want to go there, right? And yeah, so our yeah. our feelings that a lot of times we have toward a lot of these spaces are influenced by the stories that we've had access to. Yeah, I remember the first time I went to uh, the States, I went to New York with my wife and I was kind of excited and terrified because I'd watched so many American movies, mm-hmm. so many. We've all, in this country, we're all brought up on an American movie. So when I was dropped in Manhattan, I was like, I'm in a film. This is mental. There's like uh, yellow cabs and steam coming out of the ground. What is that about? <laughs> and yeah, you've taken me back to that moment. It, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I could go on. This is I'm derailing the podcast already, but it's a really, really, uh, really, really excellent hot take there, Jimmy. Thank you. Um, well, there's question one done. Uh, that's the end of episode well, one. <laughs> also, I don't want to derail, but there is also no. Please do the concept. Um, I don't know. Is it the Queen's Gambit? There have been lots of reported information around certain shows 
causing an uptick in certain types mm, of yeah. um, engagement in society. The Queen's Gambit having an uptick in chess. And we talk a lot about how to introduce or um, bring concepts to people's worlds when they are uncomfortable or it's not familiar to them. And storytelling is a medium to bring it to people's worlds so that they can have it in their own, you know, consume it in their own space, in their own time and process it in a certain way. And I think it's, you know, with that great power, um, dare I say it? <laughs> do it. Do it. You better do it. in cinema. <laughs> great power comes great responsibility. Yes, there we go. Let's get some kind of like, you know, dramatic music played over that bit. So in the edit, that'd be awesome. Just to spice it up. Amazing, amazing. Right, let's move on into our second question then. So uh, this one is uh, an, an interesting one. And again, I'd love to get your take on it. Honestly, I'm fascinated by these questions and what you're going to say. Um, so it's how do you envision your future tenure in the industry? What a, that is, that's got ChatGPT written all over it, tenure. Who talks about tenure? Oh, it's big. It's another big one. And let's, let's, it's only fair we should start with Lorna and give Jimmy a minute to collect his thoughts. Yeah, that is a big <laughs> one. I like to think of tenure more as... Um, legacy like the breadcrumbs that yeah. you leave behind in order for other people to ingest oh, and yeah. enrich themselves on so in in my mind it's how do you leave those breadcrumbs that are nutritious that um provide enough for those to come but also create recipes with people and you know remix things so i replace tenure with the legacy and i envisioned a legacy that allows me to be able to do that and I think as we said within this sector within this field that I I truly believe there's a lot that is still yet to unfurl and we will start getting connected into and it's it's quite exciting love that answer I do too this is proof that AI still needs a human to in interact with it <laughs> because how do you envision your future tenure in this industry is not as good as how you envision your future legacy. It, well, that's a great word and a better word. So in your face, ChatGPT, you, <laughs> you heard it here on the podcast. We are better than you still. How do you not know I'm not using ChatGPT? I know. And maybe I'm not leaning into it enough. Maybe I'm just fearing the great big AI beast and going, yeah, we still have a place. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I love legacy. I love legacy and breadcrumbs. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Brilliant. Amazing hot take. Thank you, Lorna. Jimmy, what's your take on that? I, I, I really like that too, Laura. Um, I, at, at least where I feel like I, I'd like to, if I look back on the career that I've, that I've had and the, and the sum of it, um, where I would love to be able to be is that either I have been able to work myself out of a job because I've solved all the things that I needed to solve and have laid a lot of groundwork and done a lot of work that now others don't have to do. You know, I don't know. I, I think for, for me, it's like I've, I've made way for others. Yeah. That's probably the simplest way to say it is that hmm. the sum of my work was that I've made way for others. That's perfect. That's a really good answer. Thank you. Yeah. And I think like a lot of the, the work around inclusion and diversity is getting to a point in the future where you know, I used to say years ago that you we, nobody you don't talk in terms of diversity. It's just what is. You mm -hmm. know, this is just creative, amazing different perspectives all around the table, doing incredible work around what we were talking about earlier about cinema and storytelling and all of that great stuff that we do and we're part of. Um, so yeah, that's uh, let's put it full circle. Really, really nice. Thank you, Jimmy, and thank you, Lorna. Okay, are you ready for the next insightful ChatGPT engineered question? So ready. I know, right? These are great. I'm loving these. Um, so this is an interesting one. And again, I'm going to read it verbatim, where this is about, originally the question was about big breaks. So we've always talked about what you consider to be your big break in industry. But this one says, looking ahead, what pivotal moment do you anticipate will propel your career in the industry? What pivotal moment? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just going to let that... I'm quite enjoying the silence for a moment. I know, right? We had to get both real. This is an audio podcast, but you both have got... Uh, Lorne is like looking to the skies a little bit, just like <laughs> Jim is sit Jim is sitting back in his chair. I am. You know, stroking his beard. You know? Uh, yeah. You can feel the cerebral cortex. Just, just trying to take it in to give a conscientious, thoughtful 
thoughtful response, right? Uh, I wish I knew is, is I think, what, uh, where I am at this moment of what does it look like when I, when I feel like we've, we've, we've reached that kind of like next juncture of advancement or, cause I, I, I'm thinking about mine, not just within like post-production or visual effects and, and, and post-production industry, but I'm also thinking about it in the discipline of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and if I can merge those two, like in some way, I, I feel like the, the, the next iteration or the next kind of like juncture is going to be one, when I see, the ability for just the full gamut of of identity being able to be shown being able to be represented mm -hmm. and that's more on the front end so i know when uh people who have done you know different types of uh characters because it used to be that like oh we can't we can't animate this character because it's too expensive to do we don't have the technology to replicate this hair texture or you know understand the skin tone you know and and, and all of that you know when when all of the advancements are are there to to be able to fully and accurately represent when we've got the library and the repertoire and the appropriate um attributions to cultures right like so even when we're like i want this to be inspired by you know japanese culture or uh maori culture you know or things like that that we've got such a full library of accurate representation of those things it's like wow what what will come after that? Because right now it just seems like that's been my big challenge is like representation matters, accuracy of representation from the front end, right? Uh, so when I see that, mm -hmm. and I think we're getting more and more close to, you know, like to that, I'm very excited to see what will we be able to do once that occurs. So that that's one. On the back end, it I think it's more of like, like spreading education on the opportunities and the roles and the, the the things that we even do. I find that there's so many people in the work that I, I, I do that like don't even know that these are jobs, yeah. right? They're like, I didn't know that there was somebody that did that, that yeah, even absolutely. focused yeah. on this or even had a thing. And so I want to see those roles being shown. Uh, and, and once that awareness happens and then it's clear what the steps are to advance within our industry right like i know that this can lead to that and this can lead to that and this can lead to that because i also find a lot of people that have not had access historically they're trying to reverse engineer and without proper guidance or somebody being able to show them or them being able to see that like this is what comes next this is what comes next it's one of the biggest impediments to advancement i don't know what's next so I don't even know how to position myself to be ready for that opportunity when it shows up. And, you know, when we go back to like, there's so much in our industry that is like, well, I know it when I see it, or my gut tells me this, hmm. it's like, when we can collectively take that experience outside of what I just know and can quantify it to a certain degree yeah. so that it, it, it creates a roadmap that anybody can have access to and see, that's the next juncture for me too. Mm. So back end juncture and front end juncture. That that was me kind of yes muddling my way through that answer, but I kind of I'm kind of good with it. Yeah, I mean the, the piece around uh, I completely understand the the front end uh, juncture, the whole you know, representation, and you can see it's getting better, but we're not at that utopia where again it's not a question of representation; it just is. You yeah, know, like I said about the you know the word the the D word in many ways with diversity, but also uh, around the work we we will respectively do around outreach and, and and attraction. And you're right, so many people still don't know that all of these roles exist. It, forget about now where you've got roles like Lorna's, uh, you know, in technology roles, but also kind of you now we've got the Frame Store Labs department. Maybe work on digital signage. You've got it's not just production and you know cg artists um I, i'm only saying this because i recently went there's a company in the uk called eric um who used to do a thing called eric fest and it was all about gen z talent trying to attract gen z talent to creative roles covid hit them and they created this amazing app and i went to a presentation where they shared a million i think they hit their millionth data point at that time it was only a couple of weeks ago and they showed these league tables of what the searches are and number one uh, is film and television all these young people, like 50,000, 60,000 young people, film and take TV, film and TV. Then right at the bottom at number like 14 or something is visual effects and animation. 
And then all in between, it's like theater, publishing, yada, 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 all the way through. And again, neither one works without the other. But visual effects is like a Pandora's box of roles. I mean, that's what what's quite cool about this podcast is I'm speaking to you both and neither of you are working directly on productions. You know, two really interesting um, careers that aren't the obvious. And that's what isn't out there. People are just going, oh, film and TV, broad brush strokes. They, they don't know the, the, the breadth of roles and disciplines that yep. exist within the visual effects animation and games industry anyway off my soapbox but i just wanted to say i i agree with what you said jimmy yeah and to riff on what you're saying jimmy also um i'm interacting with such a a unique and multifaceted team um, a mini shout out that i have people in my peer group in my team group who have theology backgrounds, people who have come from construction industry, linguistic experts, people who have come from business, so MBAs, ex-MBAs. And it's really exciting for me to think about the ways in which we are starting to come together with some of the types of skills and capabilities that may not seem obvious up front. Like you're saying, Simon, that when you were working on a production, there are possibly a lot of obvious skill sets that you can define and then the least obvious that potentially take you learning on the job. But there are ways in which it would be exciting and I look forward to when we start drawing from these unique aspects, the psychologists, the philosophists. Yeah, it's really, I think, quite interesting to also bring that to the conversation that you may be thinking of yourself as a mathematician mm-hmm. um, and you may not see yourself in film and TV, yeah. um, aka visual effects, but there is a line that you can draw and bringing that closer to people yeah. so that they can see that maybe it's not so much a leap of having to know visual effects. There are component parts of what people are doing from someone who's a mechanic to yeah. someone who's a seamstress. Like I know of people who have backgrounds in our industry, in Framestore, working and successfully delivering what we do. Yeah, the roots in are fascinating, aren't they? I mean, I know kind of people who worked in coffee shops in Soho who got a break as a runner and then they got involved in kind of the emerging tech teams and now they're traveling the world, you know, doing their thing. And, you know, you don't have to have spent three, four years studying a visual effects animation degree at I know, Bournemouth University or you know, wherever, you know, when any of the CD unis, you know, it's uh, it's all to play for now. And all their knowledge is out there if you want to do that. I mean, I, I always argue you can just sit and go through a load of YouTube tutorials and a bit of free software to kind of learn your craft in some cases. It depends how your brain's wired in many ways. I'm no expert. Don't correct me on that, listeners. Because <laughs> we have loads of listeners, right? I mean, Christ, we're, you're, we must be in the top 10 by now. Um, anyway, uh, Lorna, uh, same question to you. Um, I know we, uh, Jimmy's touched on the kind of the, the idea of this pivotal moment. You know, what 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 moment in the future do you think uh, would propel your career in the industry, uh, Lorna? Yeah, tying it to that is when I start interacting or continuing to interact with unexpected skill sets. It's really fascinating, but also I find it quite elevating when you hear a conversation from someone who has an unexpected forte and they bring it into a conversation you start to see this layering this Mm. modular or compositing of how you're providing what you are aiming to provide or solutions or services however we want to define it so yeah the pivotal moment for me is when i sit down and i'm talking to someone who's an ex-entrepreneur or someone who as you said may be in landscape gardening and Mm. It's all coming together You're round, on a round table trying to solve a problem. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to those discoveries. This is great because I'm on a, a panel at VIEW conference next week talking about just that, about squiggly careers. And it's called, they're calling it spaghetti and icebergs. So the idea that all careers are squiggly and even more so now to both of your points about you, know, you don't have to have that traditional artistic background actually. It's probably more towards the kind of, you know, the mathematician, you know, geometry side in a lot of cases. But yeah, there's so many walks of life, which is amazing. I love that. So yeah, I'm borrowing or I'm using all of this on the panel. I will credit you both, by the way. I'll get everybody to listen to the podcast. It will be out next week anyway. 
when I'm there. So it'll be a nice plug <laughs> for this amazing conversation. See? Oh, full circle. There you go. Well, that was part one. Join us for part two of the Framestore podcast out this Thursday as Jimmy and Lorna continue to explore black futures through the lens of the specially amended dailies questions. We'll see you then. Thank you.